Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. And what should people pay for? Among among all of the other things in life, like delicious food at Jasper's, that is absolutely something that people should pay for. Also, they, it's a bad business journalism. model for them to be giving it out for free, <laughs> which leads us to how poor a business model journalism has been for so long. <laughs> but, but that's neither here nor there. Pay for good journalism at the Athletic, of course, as well. All the other shows on the Full Forty Sports Network, please check them out. Big announcement on the Fringe Element podcast this week. Uh, the SEC show, we've added a new voice, Stephen Godfrey, going to be a part of that show, so go check that out, uh, as he is now a third voice on that podcast for the duration of the college football season. Lamestream Sports, of course, out every Friday. Club and Country covering Nashville SC out every Tuesday, so make sure you check all those out, as well as the 440 every single morning. Pay for good journalism, all that good stuff. All right, we got a big show planned for you today. UC Soros has been signed for years. We'll get into that contract. What does it mean? Is he capable of the 60, 65 games per year starting goaltender status that you need to have in the NHL to be successful. We'll get into that. Where does Askarov, the prospect, fit into all of this? Uh, Ekholm and Forsberg, as David Poyle has said on 102.5 The Game, that he is now turning his attention to those contracts. So, of course, uh, what what do we expect from those? Some comps and some strategy around re-signing potentially Matthias Ekholm and, and Philip Forsberg. Uh, Vegas odds to make the playoffs. Came out, Predators fans, avert your eyes, not safe for work. And how does that affect the trade line de- decision? We'll get into that. Uh, as well as, of course, the NHL now selling more real estate on your jersey slash helmet slash ice slash arena to corporate sponsorship. So we'll get into all of that as well. However, Adam Vingan, you've already alluded to this. The gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Jaspers. It's the next evolution of the sports bar, Adam. What, can you, what, what would be the next... Next evolution. I was going to say, actually, just now, we, we call it the next evolution of the sports bar, but, you know, evolution has phases. So what's the next, next evolution? Uh, that's a good question. I'm I mean, not they sure. already have free parking. They already have the best happy hour in town. Mm-hmm. They already have a menu designed and, and created by a chef who is spectacular. They've got the nice airy design and decor in there, right? Natural light greenery foliage i guess the next the next evolution of jaspers and we've talked about this on previous episodes is perhaps adding some bar games they, they got shuffleboard they got darts see look at you hmm. you've been in there a bunch of times you don't have any excuses to not know that <laughs> well i haven't played them yet shuffleboard we'll talk about this later on in the show shuffleboard is the best bar game in my opinion I think we've talked about this. We have. We've talked about this. My my res- my response was uh, um, ski ball. Ski ball. That's right. That's right. What a riveting episode that was. All right. I don't let- even remember when that was. <laughs> Let's get into some Preds conversation here. UC Soros has signed his contract, did not go to arbitration, did not get to a contentious hearing, signs it, I think, a couple of days ahead of time. Four years, $20 million, literally identical to the Mikhail Grandlin contract. That's $4 million, $5 million, $6 million, $5 million. AAV, of course, for $5 million. I saw a couple random people on the Twitters, which, again, is probably my first mistake here, Adam, suggesting that this wasn't a very good deal for the Preds, and it came in, for me, one to two years shorter than we had talked about, and maybe even up to a million dollars shorter per year. I, I was thinking four, five, maybe even six years, maybe even six million per. So I thought the deal was I thought the deal was was pretty good for, for the Nashville Predators and David Poyle. I, 
I don't know. I have no. If I'm a Preds fan, I have absolutely no complaints about the contract and 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 the job that David Poyle did getting their goaltender signed here. Yeah, I, I think we talked about well, we definitely talked about um, what we thought that contract would look like and other recent goaltenders who signed um, and what their contracts could provide in terms of uh, comparable situations. And the one I kept going back to was the Thatcher Demko contract um, from earlier this year with the Vancouver Canucks, five years, $5 million cap hit um, per season. Um, so when the, the four by five came out four years with a $5 million cap hit for UC Soros, I thought five million was to me the bare minimum that he was going to receive. Um, I never thought he was going to receive under five million. I thought he might get a slight bump from five million, maybe five point two five or five and a half, just because of his experience compared to some of the other goaltenders who have signed recently, uh, specifically this summer. Um, but the Predators never offered Soros a contract longer than four years. Um, so. All in all, I do think it's a good contract for both sides. Um, UC Soros gets a significant raise. He was making a million and a half per year on his previous contracts, and now he's making five million a year. When you say it like that. <laughs> yes. It's like a 233% raise or something like that. Right, right. Um, I did the math the other day. Um I think the Predators did a good job, as we've talked about in, in previous episodes, not locking themselves into another long-term contract. I think the timeline works out really well, and we'll get into this more in depth a little bit later. Um, but in terms of UC being able to prove that he is a clear number one goaltender, um, and it should also align with their timeline for the uh, the arrival, rather, I was going to say the return, but the arrival of Yaroslav Askarov from Russia in the next few years, hopefully. Um, so all in all, I, I really there's I, I really can't think of anything wrong with the contract. No, which, I... which is which is odd for me because I'm skeptical <laughs> by nature and I always have something to to bitch and moan about when it comes to things of like this, but. Um, I, I, I mean, I like it. I mean, I was surprised. I think it's that, a great deal. I, I was, I was a little surprised that they weren't able to get another year. But as I said, and I can report this, the Predators never offered the Usaros a contract longer than four years, and he did not want to go to arbitration. Um, so on Monday when the deal was leaked, um, it was it was around that time when they would have had to submit their proposals for arbitration because you had to do so within 48 hours of the scheduled hearing which was Wednesday today as we record this um so they never got to that point because they came to terms on the contract and it just goes to show you as we talked about last week and other weeks that very rarely does arbitration happen I mean I, there were 17 players who uh, elected for player-elected arbitration because I think there were two or three that had team-elected arbitration. And so far, no one's gone to a hearing. Everybody's settled. Yeah, yeah. Um, so la la last year, 26 players elected for arbitration and 25 of them settled. Only one went to a hearing, and that was Tyler Bertuzzi of the Detroit Red Wings. So um, 
I was I honestly I was a little surprised they got I, it figured out. I I thought we were headed for a hearing I, just I based am, on what I had heard. I, I'm just surprised at the sort of the term as as Poyle always says, right? The the term and the cost, and so I, I thought both of them are very team friendly. To your point, UC Sorrow still gets paid and, and gets a big bump. Is it as big a bump as he maybe his agent maybe wanted at five and a half or whatever? Maybe not, but uh, it, it, they, to get it done without any contention, I, I think is a big deal. Um, Here's the question though about about Soros because I don't you know we've seen stretches from him that prove that he is clearly talented enough to be the guy. When, when you are getting Hart Trophy votes, finishing in the top what is he eleventh right in the Hart Trophy voting last year or something like that. Eleventh, I think. Uh, and, and you're getting Vesna votes and you're top ten in the Vesna. Like you, you clearly are capable and doing something right. But there is a fair question to ask here of UC Soros, and I know when we started this show last September. Now it's almost a year for us. Wow. Um, we'll have to do something for our ever nursery. Um, our what? Our ever nursery. You've never heard that on the Saturday Night. Oh God! If you haven't seen the Saturday Night Live skits about ever, it's like one of the only modern Saturday Night Live skits that is spectacularly funny. Who was in that skit? All all kinds of Justin Timberlake, Garth Brooks, all the hosts. But it's the two girls that that can't say any of their sponsors correctly. Oh, is they're it doing like... ads for Moe Shamden, Moe Shamden and Savosky crystals. And oh yeah. It it's was, our Aber uh, nursery. It was Kristen Wiig <laughs> yes. and, uh, I think Maya, maybe Maya Rudolph, maybe Maya Rudolph. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's spectacular. I know uh, what you're talking about now. I, I digress. Uh, cause we are coming up on a year, which is kind of cool. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Soros. Uh, I think the question about him and you put this in your article on The Athletic, Pay for Good Journalism, is while he's played 155 games and he's had long stretches of really, really good hockey, through no fault of his own, he's never started more than 35 games in any one season. And if you're going to raise a question about a small goaltender, is going to be, can you withstand the rigors of starting 60, 55, 60, 65 games? I don't know if that's what they're going to ask him to do. I don't know if it, what expectations should be. I think 55 should be a minimum. I think 60 is about right if you're the best guy and you're the guy that can carry you a team into the postseason. You know, I think that's really the only question here because – and maybe can he start the way he finishes the season? He's been great at the end of seasons. But it's not his fault that he had <laughs> – he was trying to take over a starting role in the middle of a pandemic. No, I, and <laughs> one, of the, one of the contracts that – I was looking at on the higher side uh, for UC Soros because I was trying to find comparables all over the map um, was Connor Hellebuck, um, who signed a six-year contract with a cap hit of around $6.1 million. I think it was in 2018 is when he signed that deal. And if you look at Hellebuck's career numbers at the time he signed versus, when, versus UC's currently, they're almost identical. I think... UC has started 139 games. I think at the time, Hellebuck had started like 143. Their goals against and save percentage numbers were basically the same. The difference, of course, is that Hellebuck had already started, I think, at that point. I think he had 56 starts in one season and 67 in another. So he had he had done that workload. UC has not done that workload, which is why I figured he, he was going to get a smaller number, closer to five, because even though he has an impressive overall body of work. He has not started enough games. And one of the statistics that I found in, in, in researching UC Saros after he signed was, you know, records.nhl.com is a great resource. 
and they have um, a section for goaltenders, of course, and in there they have a section for career save percentages for goalies who have played a minimum of a hundred games. And there were only four goaltenders in NHL history who have a I currently who have a higher save percentage with at least a hundred games played than UC Soros. Dominic Koshik, Ken Dryden, Tuka Rask, and Ben Bishop. You're saying. It's not limited to 155 games, which is his no. career. You're saying anyone over 100 games, anyone who's played over in the 100 of the league, yes. UC Saros is the fifth best save percentage. He's in the like history tied of the for sixth, technically, okay. or something, or tied, tied for, for fifth. fifth. Yeah. But there are only four now. Of course, Hashik and Dryden and Rask and Bishop have played a lot more games than UC Saros, which sure. makes their accomplishment more impressive. But you know, to have a 920 career save percentage in more than 150 games overall, that includes appearances, relief appearances and such, um, is very impressive. So UC's overall body of work yeah. is very impressive. The one thing that's missing, is, you know, there are a couple of things that are missing. One is he has not had a true number one goaltender starting workload. He also hasn't really won in the postseason. He started in two postseason series. They lost both of them. He's lost seven of his 10 playoff starts. Um, How big of a concern are either of those two things? And and, and maybe it doesn't matter because you had, it, no, cho- you had hard, no choice. It's hard to say. Um, I'm not as worried about the workload. I'm I think, not worried I think, about I'm not worried about the workload. Um, like even in the AHL. He didn't. He he didn't have a significant workload. Now the AHL doesn't track starts. I don't believe. I think they only track games. So you don't know if that. So fifty-eight starts. Are you worried about UC Saros? No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, yeah. he's in good shape. You know, I've always thought that the the he's small narrative is overblown. I I'm not saying it's not. A, it, it, it's not a concern. It limits your upside. It, it does. I mean, it would be a lot more helpful for him if he was six foot three and not five foot ten. I was gonna say, or just six one, or just or just six foot. I mean, I think there were only there, th- nobody's five eleven. By the way, Adam. No, yeah, I'm five eleven. Yeah, but you're like the the lone male on the planet that admits that. That's when, actually five eleven. Once you get to five eleven, you just round it up. I think it says six <laughs> feet on my license, but see there you go. But anyways, but case yeah, in point, yes. But um, anyway, I, you know there there are very few smaller goaltenders in the NHL who get a lot of work, and I, you know the only other two that come to mind are Anton Hudobin and and Yaroslav Halak. You know though they are you know they are smaller goalies, but they've both had really good careers. So I don't think UC being sub six foot is going to hold him back significantly. I mean, one of the things that's made UC Soros so good, despite his size, is his positioning. You know, I remember... Oh, man. I mean, I remember there was a a statistic from my friends at SportLogic a couple of years ago leading into the return to play about... And this is really specific, but it was a statistic about the the percentage of shots that hit the goalie in in the crest of the jersey which is dead center in the middle of the chest. It's an interesting stat. Which is of course where you want the where you want to absorb the puck because it, it's it, a statistic that indicates positioning. Right. And he was number 1 in terms of the percentage of shots that yeah. hit him in the crest, which means yeah. he he squares up to shooters really well. Yep. And are there times where goals get past UC Saros that a goaltender who would be 3 inches taller wouldn't let up just because he's 3 inches taller? Yes. But I don't think it's 
as his numbers have indicated, I don't think it's holding him back no. to a significant degree. No, I, I think the first thing I ever noticed about him the first year he was on the team was there's just no wasted movement with him. And I think I said this on my old show a million times. Like What makes him so impressive is how compact, how tight, and how quick and agile his movements are. There's never ever a, a, like, there's never a flailing element to how he plays because he is so... Like, 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 how can you use your size to your advantage, right? And and he uses it to his advantage because he can get to his spot better than almost anybody else. So I remember... He may not cover as right. much area, but he can get to that spot faster than anybody else. I mean, I remember is... having conversa- a conversation years ago with Mitch Korn, who at the time was the Capitals goaltending coach when I was still in D.C. and, of course, was here for a very long time. And we were talking about Braden Holpe. And... You know, one thing he said to me in that conversation, and I think all goaltending coaches would say this, but Mitch is a great guy and, a, and a, you know, a fantastic goaltending coach, is that how many times can you recall UC Soros having to make a save that ended up on a highlight reel? <laughs> that sounds almost like an insult, but, but, it's, it, but not. it's not. I know, but it's not. It's meant. not, yeah, because no, right. oftentimes when goalies make those saves. You're diving because, back across right, your body. They're, out or, of pos- they're, yeah. they're caught out of position. And I'm not a goaltending expert, but that's what Mitch yeah. was getting at was that, you know, he may get beat, but he's getting beat straight up. Right. Like there yeah. like I can't recall any and, and our listeners can correct correct us if we're wrong. But I don't recall very many like, oh, my God, did you see that save from UC Soros? Because he because he doesn't put yeah. himself in a position to have to make. those yeah. saves. And I'm, and I'm assuming there have been plenty. I'm you, sure you there know, have been. Th- that are just excellent saves. You know, you go, oh, my God, that's an amazing save. But nothing that's... But a lot of times it's just yeah. he he squares up to shooters, he reads plays well, and he goes where the puck is going. He goes side to side better than anybody I've seen. So, um, listen, I, I'm not doubting the workload. I, I, you know, I'm not... I think slight limit on the upside, which just means he's not like... Was that a, a slight? Was that a? Was that a... <laughs> tall joke it just means he's not you know like he's not going to be among the top three to five goaltenders of his generation or whatever it doesn't mean he can't be really really good and carry this team to a playoff berth so we'll get to vegas odds let's let's move on from this though to to the askarov element of all of this which is certainly a part of it scott wheeler at the athletic ranked uh yaroslav askarov the number one goalie prospect in the world not a surprise the preds took him 12th overall i believe 11th overall 11th overall uh two year two drafts ago and he will play in Russia for at least two years, correct? He's eight. He's 19 years old now. He's the team, been there for yeah, one year. The team has said that he is going to be there for at least two more years. So the 21, 22, and 22, 23 season. So those are the first two years of Saros' contract. You then assume the third year he spends it fully in Milwaukee as as the starting goaltender in Milwaukee. It, this is uh, if things go according to plan, right? And then in, his, in UC Saros' fourth season... I think the hope would be to get him some looks to see if what the future looks like, right? Is that do you think that's the plan in a perfect world for yes, a four year? I do. Okay. Um, and you know, David Poyle has said that you know when you look at most goaltenders, there are exceptions, but when you look at most goaltenders, they spend a couple of years in the minors. Now, if a, if Askarov is as good as we all think he is. Um, and as you mentioned, Scott ranked him as the as the top goalie prospect in the NHL, um, I believe, for the second year in a row. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't need a ton of time in Milwaukee, but I, but the I, at but, least one full year, right? But the idea, like you know, I you know, people could play this back in two years. Um, <laughs> but the idea that Askarov is going to be ready to play in the NHL in twenty twenty three seems foolhardy. 
to me. Um, so twenty twenty four. I think by the twenty. I think Saros's fourth year, you want Askarov yes, to be his the ba- final, to be his backup, right? In the final year of Saros's current contract, I think you would like Askarov to be the backup, yep. and UC still getting the, the the majority of the starts, but Askarov being worked into ro- the rotation a little bit, or, more. or maybe battling with Connor Ingram to be the backup. I don't know if Ingram's still around at that point. I don't know. I think ideally, I think ideally, so this year you have Saros and Riddick. I think I you know the next you no know, the 22 23 season you have Soros and insert you know or you know, maybe you know either a veteran or Ingram in, or, yeah another one year veteran or yeah. Ingram yeah. and then the following year you have Soros and Ingram and yeah. then you have Soros and Ascara Is there a world where this is that Soros is on the team after this fourth fourth year of well, his contract. Well, I think that was a lot. That or, was is that, a, or is this the four years we're going to get out of UC? And then he'll be 30 years old at that point. I mean, right. I mean, who, who's to say that... 10 years almost. Right. But who's to say that at that point, Soros won't have, you know... He, Soros could have proven by then that, you know, he is number one material and yeah. they have a young goaltender and, and Askarov who will be in his early to mid-20s at that point that, you know, is on the rise and... You know, you almost have another Pekka UC situation all over. Again. It's a good good problem to have. It's it's not a it's not a it's, yeah, exactly it's not a bad problem to have. And um, you know, I think a lot of Predators fans saw the term of the contract and were basically like, "Well, that Saros is four years and then he's gone." Yeah. You don't know that. No, I, that, I, quite frankly, I hope I'm not covering this team in four years to have to what? answer that question. <laughs> wow, <laughs> podcast listeners just just disheveled now. They'll be De- fine. Depressed and disheveled. Um, all right. So just keep in mind the Askarov part of this equation is certainly a big part of it. So just just keep that in mind. Um, David Poyle said on 1025 The Game that his focus is now on re-signing Matthias Ekholm, which, of course, when you trade Ryan Ellis, probably has to be a priority. They are go- He and Philip Forsberg are going into their final years of their contracts. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Um, comps for Ekholm, ballparks for Forsberg. We've talked about roughly $9 million for Forsberg. I think we're yeah, talking. Yeah, that's not happening. We're talking around six million dollars for Ekholm in a flat cap world. Maybe those numbers are down a little bit from that territory. W- what do you think conversations are like right now between David Poyle and Matthias Ekholm's representation? Well, I think one thing that's important, and David Poyle acknowledged this in that interview that you're referencing with our friends Robbie and Rex Road, is that David is going to have to do a little bit of selling on what the next. F- couple of years are going to look like because when Ekholm and Forsberg signed those contracts they were the Predators were entering their quote-unquote I know you hate this term (laughs) Stanley Cup window now they're firmly out of that Stanley Cup window and we don't know how long it's going to take for them to get back Uh, it can happen very quickly it could happen very quickly but I, you know, I'm not anticipating it happening for at least a few years. Windows open and close very fast. I know, but <laughs> they were the eight seed, right? But <laughs> when their when, window opens, I know, I know. But I think it. I mean, it to me that you know, when do you when do you think the window the 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 most recent window really opened? What year? Would you say it was? 14, you mean prior 15? to the cup? Yeah, would you say? I mean, it, I mean, the hiring of Lavi. Yeah, sort of I inject, think that was the injected, opening of the window, and they were very good in his first season in the regular season, right? Like the best team in the world, 
and and then fell off and then they sort of had an inverted season the year after that right and they, like if you want to call that the opening of the window that's fine i think trading for pk suban and all those big moves well, could be considered question. another when did the window close i when they acquired Kyle Tur- no. <laughs> no, I think the, the window lo- closed when they lost to Dallas in the playoffs. I think the window closed when they lost to Winnipeg. Oh, in games, wow. So in you actually think it's a year earlier. Now, they came back and won the division, but they clearly were not as good a team. No. I think it closed after they lost that, to Dallas. That's fair, but here's my here's my here's my St. Louis Blues rant like I know. You can I, you can I, fire your coach be in last place and have a rookie goaltender and win the cup. There's no such thing as a window. The, the point is is Mikhail Granlund signed this exact same contract as UC Soros, right. thinking that they were going to be competitive, maybe not this year, but for the last 3 years of the right. deal. You see Soros has signed up to be competitive right. on this team. They've got lots of young talent. I I I don't think it's a tough sell to Matias Ekholm I, to say, "Hey, play with Roman Yossi and a bunch of other guys. We're going to pay you 5 or 6 million dollars and you're going to play from age 31 to 35 here. And we've got a chance to be good in 2 years with some really nice young talent." I don't know. I think it's I ha- I've I've maintained this that I'm not concerned about Matias Ekholm. I don't think in terms of not wanting to sign. He's at the stage of the state- I agree. He's at a stage of his career where, you know, where I, I think he wants to settle in in one place. And I know how difficult it was for him and his wife. And I mean, his kids did understand it, but, you know, he has two little ones. Like how difficult it was for them throughout last season with all of the rumors about the trade deadline. Right. It was not easy, and and Matias didn't want to go anywhere. Like, I mean, it wasn't up to him, but he didn't want to go anywhere. And I I really think he's fully committed to this. You know, if you're talking about comps, we did talk about this, I think, on an episode of a couple of months ago. You know, to me, the contracts I look at that make the most sense for Matias Ekholm, there are two that pop out. There's Jake Muzzin's contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which he signed in February of 2020. Um, it was a four-year deal with a $5.625 million cap hit. I would take that. If I'm a Preds fan, I would take that right now. And then Jeff Petrie of the Montreal Canadiens, who signed his deal in September of 2020, a four-year deal with... Let me make sure actually it was four. Yes, it was a four-year deal with a $6.25 million cap hit. I could I could split the difference on those. If you if it was four years six, I think I something in that range would be good for Matias Ekholm. I'm, I'm you, you cannot afford to lose Ellis and Ekholm and maintain any. This is like the sorrow situation. You I'm can't more, afford to lose them. I'm more concerned about Philip Forsberg. And, so so hang on, hold on to Forsberg. Okay, because we're going to talk about Forsberg after the break. But I, it seems like the Preds desperately need Ekholm. Ekholm wants to be here. I don't want to sign him to a six or an eight year deal or something crazy so that it carries him into like his 38th year old season, but a four year something in the ballpark of $6 million seems completely fair for the one guy who does the one thing that you don't have on this team, which is be the bully in the, in the dark alley at the end of the night in front of the crease, (laughs) right? Like he's the guy you, you need someone with his skill set on the team and you've gotten rid of Ellis. I don't think they have a choice. I don't think they've this. This isn't. This is similar to the Saros conversation. I don't think you can be considered a playoff team two years from now without guys like Matias Ekholm. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about Matias. I think he wants to be here, and it's going to happen. And I think clearly, as you as you have seen this summer with Granlin's contract and Saros's contract. 
that long-term deals are not in the offing for the Predators right now. Um, so, you know, four years seems to be the sweet spot right now. And if, you know, if they were to split the difference between Muzzin and Petrie, who were in their early 30s, um, Petrie was, I think, 33 when he signed. Muzzin was 31. It'd be like 5.9 million. Yeah, I roughly. mean, if it's if it's six on the dot, yeah. like yeah. that's a good deal, I think, for for the Predators. Six million and fourteen dollars <laughs> per year. Six uh, point six point zero one four million. Yes, as 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 hockey players like to do. All right, so the Ekholm thing seems on paper and on the surface to be fairly straightforward, fairly manageable. And I think that's great news for the Preds fans. Probably good news for both Ekholm and the Preds organization as well. However. There is the Philip Forsberg conversation. And when we return, we will get into how much he's worth. Do they need to wait until the trade deadline to, to make a decision on Philip Forsberg? What do they do with Philip Forsberg? What should they do? What are the numbers? What are the comps? We'll also get to Vegas odds as well as a small patch on the jersey being advertisement as well. So we'll do all that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Jaspers. If, if you took your wife, now pregnant wife, who's soon to be a mom, and you're soon to be a father. Very, we're very close, by the way, to the, to the birth of the of baby Vinkin. Less than three weeks. Less than three weeks, which is, you're entering crunch time here. Um, two weeks is probably the, the, the real crunch time. Um, if you had taken your future, the future mother of your child to Jaspers, and you'd pulled into a parking lot, and, and it was free. And you walked into a an airy, light, ambianced, next evolution of the sports bar. And you sat down and you ordered some collie poppers, because I know she doesn't like meat. And 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 you had a wonderful meal at Jasper's. Do you think that would have won her over? Do you think that would have been a great first date spot for you? Yeah, I think so. And then taking her to like an emo concert after that? Well, we, well, we did go to an emo concert for our first <laughs> date, actually. Did you not know that? Was that just a guess? I just, I uh, just assumed. We went to see Dashboard Confessional at a Sundance. I, I, if you would have given me three guesses, I would have gotten Dashboard we, Confessional. We, went, we saw Dashboard Confessional <laughs> at the Send Amphitheater on our first date. Uh, I, I think the only, I think the, 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 my guesses would have been, true story, would have been Fallout Boy. All out boy. Dashboard Confessional or Blink One Eighty Two. I don't know. Like those. She are... does like Blink One Eighty Two, but no, it was a good. It was. A but good... she'd be like, "Oh, free parking. Nice job, Adam." <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. We need more expected mother parking. I feel like that's that's something that needs to be. Don't they have rectified. that at? Don't they have that at like uh, grocery stores and like department stores and stuff? I'm not sure if they have them like at the grocery Target? stores. The only place I've seen it is Bye Bye Baby, and that's because <laughs> it's a baby store. But there needs to be more expected mother parking. Um, it's a, it's a, how about just more free parking or just more free parking? <laughs> but you know, Bridget's not at the point now where she can't walk a couple of yards. You know, so it's not. It's getting. It, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not too bad, but. You know, I, I'm curious, like, if I would have told her that we were going to a sports bar on our first date, I don't think that would have gone over well. But, but, if, you, but if you had said it was the next evolution of she the She probably said, bar. what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you and said, then well, I would have said, let's, let's go. Let me Deb show pa- you. It's Deb Paquette. It's Four Top Hospitality. This is not your average sports bar. No, it's not. They're redefining the term sports bar by giving you actually good food, legitimately good happy hours that put all the other happy hours to shame, and free parking. In downtown Nashville, you know how hard it is to find free parking in downtown Nashville. It's I don't know how how is there is there free parking in downtown? <laughs> it might Nashville? be the only one. Like uh, Centennial Sportsplex, where you get to go watch 
the Preds development right, camp. Right, but you better not park there and not go to Centennial. Yeah, right. No, you know, no. That's, yeah. that, you know, sometimes you can find... Well, that's not really downtown, is it? Would you consider it's that West downtown? It's West End, I guess. That's, I guess that's true. It's not downtown. I mean, you can find some street parking in the quote-unquote North Gulch <laughs> over by my old apartment buildings. That seems like a... That, that seems like a, a battle, a war that I don't want to fight. No, there's too much construction happening over there. Like, do you know where, like, like where the HCA building is? And and the, yes, that's yeah, where like, my wife works. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Like you can there, you can find some free parking okay. over there, yeah. but it's not like close to downtown. Did you or Did you guys eat on your first date um, before no, we Dashboard did not. Confessional? You just pick you pick. Did you pick her up or did you meet at the concert? She she parked. Let's really un, let's really unpack this. Okay, she parked. She found free parking outside of my apartment <laughs> building, which I which is, was on which it is. It's not. It hasn't disappeared. Which is on Eleventh Avenue North. Okay. And go to we, Jasper's. We walked to the concert. Oh, nice. That's uh, that's a that's romantic. So we, so we walked down. We probably walked down Church Street, and then cut across to First. It's not a super short walk, but it's no. It's a walk. It's, it's, it's a good get to it, get to know you walk. Yeah, exactly. And then look at you, and Mr. Then, Romance over and there. And we sat. We had, you know, we bought, you know, tickets in the the lawn area. Okay. Did you bring a blanket? She had the blanket, which we still have. Actually, it's like a watermelon picnic blanket. I don't know. So when the, the baby, when the baby, remember. when the baby comes, we can say, you know, your mommy and daddy met on this blanket. True love sparked on this blanket. Stop! Stop talking. We didn't have it's we gross. didn't have relations on the blanket. I, I did. I told you to stop. I didn't tell you to continue. So, <laughs> oh man, anyway. go to Jasper's go to where Jasper's. you can have relations on a picnic blanket. <laughs> I, I don't think that's allowed. I don't think they are like they are. They are look. They are evolved. I'm not sure they're that progressive. <laughs> Just go. How to do you ja- feel about PDA? Go to ja- go to Jasper's where go to Jasper's where you can have the appropriate amount of PDA. Which is none. Very little. I'm okay with a little. What's a little? PDA. If a couple wants to hold hands. Oh yeah, that's fine. If a if they you know if they give each other a you know a, a, a kiss or a peck or if you want to put your arm around your yes that's fine your spouse like come on Adam don't suck the fun out of everything okay no tongue no tongue <laughs> go go to Jasper's where the only use of your tongue will be to swallow the delicious food and beverages <laughs> keep it out of your partner's mouth at Jasper's. Oh my God. All right, Adam, Philip Forsberg. Um, uh, where, where do you want to start with this one? Uh, I guess first let's start with what number you think he wants. What number you think Philip Forsberg wants? We've talked about $9 million on the show well, before. Well, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Philip Forsberg's agent, you know, I'm looking at the, ca- the, the Predators' salary cap situation. I'm looking at what they're paying other players. I look at the $8 million they're paying two players who, don't, who haven't deserved that salary Ooh. and saying my client deserves at least that much, if not more. I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> now, what's David Boyle do? Chuckles. <laughs> right. So Philip Forsberg is playing on a six-year, thirty-six million dollar contract he signed in twenty sixteen. So he's going to want to raise, obviously. To me, at this stage, you know, he hasn't like, you know, the thing. This is the this is the, I guess the 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 quagmire giggity. If you'd like to go there. Um, it is the, you know, if you're Philip Forsberg, do you want to, do you want to commit 
to what might be a few lean years in your prime? And do you want to do that before the season starts and lock yourself into a to a contract that if if you play really well, you you might regret, you know, not betting on yourself a little bit. But if you're the Predators, do you let it get to that point? Do you let it hang over the entire season that Philip Forsberg isn't under contract? Um, to me, I think it's imperative. We've talked about this. I think it's imperative that at least one of those two players, the other one being Matias Ekholm, is under contract before the season starts. I think Ekholm will be under contract before the season starts. Okay, I think it's. Do, imperative. do you agree with me on that? I think it's more likely than not. Sure. Um. So I that's what I would I, I would it's imperative to get at least one of them under contract, um, because as we've talked about on other shows, it gives you a better idea of what you know your cap situation is going to be like if you know at least one of them is under contract past this season, so you know what money you can allot versus having to wonder what you have to pay two different players. To me, if Philip Forsberg is not under contract by the time the season starts. I wonder if I if I entertain those conversations at all. This is just me talking. Okay. This is not me reporting anything. So let me let me ask. Let me let me. Can I pry into your thought process sure. here on this? So number one, wh- how much of this thought process that you're under right now that you just said, I, if you don't sign him before the start of the season, you're not really going to talk to him. Which which means number one, you are very much in the market to trade him at the deadline. Should the team not be in the playoff, not be in playoff contention, and we'll get to the Vegas odds in a second, but according to Vegas, they're the second worst team in the division, second worst chances to make the playoffs, according to Vegas. So obviously, trade deadline considerations are critically important, and what you can get back for him in the middle of a soft reset, whatever the hell you want to call it, you know, trading your best player. The calculus for me is how how much do Duchesne and Johansson's contracts and your ability to get out from underneath them factor into this. And number two, how good can you win a cup after the rebuild without Forsberg? Because Forsberg is the most talented forward this, this franchise has ever had. He shows it problem. He shows it a lot, but he's not a 120 point guy. This is, this is a guy who has stretches to where he sort of is what he is. He's not, he's not even close to sort of the, the, the Johansson level of we of, love of on we and love off. tiers in sports, right? We love. He's tiers. not a top tier forward. Okay, so if you're putting together a tier of Ovechkin, Matthews, Kucherov, I mean, to me, who like, else you put on this that is, tier? This it's is not a, Forsberg. This is a completely unscientific thing because I just sprung it on you. <laughs> to me, Forsberg is no better than a tier four forward. Yeah, I don't have like for, Forsberg on for if if you put like this is how maybe uh, tier three. I think this is what a lot of people always say. Uh, you know, I think it happens in all sports, but I think it happens a lot in hockey. Like we we think of the we think of the Avalanche as maybe the look, 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 we'll use the Lightning for example. Well, the Avalanche is good too. Yeah, the Avalanche are good too. Because we'll he's nowhere the, near we'll he's nowhere near McKinnon or Landis. If Landis you're Scott. ranking, if like let's use let's use the Lightning's roster that won the Stanley Cup because they've they've had a lot of turnover this summer, obviously. So. I'm going to start listing forwards on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you tell me <laughs> if Philip Forsberg is better than these players. All right. Steven Stamkos. No. Braden Point. No. Nikita Kucherov. No. Uh, Yanni Gord. Mm-hmm. No. Who? Uh, Anthony Sorelli. Maybe. I, at his best, I think he can be a Tier 3, maybe even a Tier 2 guy. But how long have you seen that? And how many times have you seen that 
in a pred sweater. And I, I, we're getting to a point where you kind of have to shit or get off the pot. I with mean, him. Yeah. Philip Forsberg is what, 26, 27? I mean, he's still in his prime, quote unquote. If, if but, he, but we're at the point now where, like, how much better is he really going to I, get? I think that's a fair question. How much better? Like, it, it, like, to me, if he delivers you 80, how about this? If you sign him to a big deal five years, let's say, ton of money. I think it should. I think a contract for him should be no longer than five years. Let's say it's five years, whatever the dollar figure is, big dollars, right? And he gives you 82 points every single season in 82 games. Yeah. How would you feel about that contract? Great, because he's a point-per-game player on the $7.5 okay. million dollar contract. $8 million dollar contract. Do you see a way out of the Duchesne or Johansson contracts for the team in the next two years? No. Next five years? There's one years, way I see it. There's one legitimate way I like right at, at this point right now. There's, there's, I feel like, oh, there's only one legitimate chance for them to get out from under this contracts, which I don't think they can do right or, or now. Or maybe just one. Which is what? Just one of them, I mean. Oh. Just one of the deal. You don't have to get out from under both of them to sign Forsberg, but well, if you get you out from underneath Duchesne, you can sign Forsberg. If you are, they are a better team with Forsberg and not Duchesne well, than vice versa. Let me ask versa. you this: If given the opportunity, would you do with Johansson and Duchesne what the Wild did with Parisi and Suter this summer? Uh, explain. They bought both of them out. How much did it cost them? Well, I don't have those numbers directly in front of me, but here's the, the you know the the I would have to look at what I, the the I money feel like, would be. I, I feel like from what I read, one of them was a good decision and one of them was questionable. I feel like. Um, from what I remember, I don't remember the exact numbers. Well, there. you talk. I'm going to pull up a buyout calculator. I don't remember the exact numbers. I just think the calculus on the decision to re-sign Philip Forsberg has to take into account a large portion of this is what do you think you can do with the Duchesne contract o- or the Johansson contract, one of the two. If you can get out from underneath one of the two in the next two years, I feel a lot more comfortable signing Forsberg because I think your chances of winning with Forsberg go up. Now, the problem is... <laughs> I don't think Forsberg is the piece that everyone believed he was going to grow into and become. And I think that's the question here. He, he's grown better than the $6 million contract than he is, and he has more potential than the $6 million contract that he has. But not nine. Not unless you can get out from underneath somebody else. So there, there, are, a couple that's, of that's con- my... well, there are a couple of contracts that stick out to me for Forsberg. Um in terms of, first of all, like I said, I think it needs to be a mid-length deal, like four or five years. Max Pacioretty signed a five-year deal with a $7 million cap hit with the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I don't think Forsberg is going to accept a $1 million right. raise. Right. So let's say it's seven and a half. Five years with a $7.5 million That's cap That's not hit. terrible. It's not terrible, but it's still pushing it. Like the, the If Phil- you told me you were out from Duchesne, I would take that deal in two seconds. Philip for Forsberg. Forsberg is... You know, I, I, Philip Forsberg to me is a, a, a very interesting player in the sense that we know that he has the tools. We know he has them. We've seen the amazing moves he's made and the goals he scored, but he's never been able to put it together consistently. And one thing that worked well for him in his earlier years was that he was never injured. And now he misses like 15 to 20 games a year. Yeah. So... You know, to me, I don't think Philip Forsberg is worth more than $7 million. But he's not going to accept that. That's right. the problem. Like, to me, this this is what I would do if I were the Predators. Right. I would attempt to negotiate a reasonable contract with Philip Forsberg before training camp. If a contract does not get done by the time training camp is over, if you want to say the first, you know, game one of the regular season in mid-October, 
you do not discuss a contract with him for the rest of the season. And if your team sucks, you you trade him at the trade deadline. What can you get for him? Pretty good return? For Philip Forsberg? I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think if he had a Philip Forsberg type season and at the time of the deadline, he's got 20-something goals and 40-something points. Like not even prospects. You're talking about young, actual players that can play right you, away. You, and draft picks. Maybe. I mean, I would have to look at what comparable players have fetched at the deadline. Like think about like Taylor Hall. Like Taylor Hall last year sure. had a shit season with the Sabres, but it's not, that's actually, you know what? That's not a good example because he had a full no move clause and basically like said, I'm going to Boston. So yeah. you better figure it out. And you know, they were sort of, <laughs> you know, the return for him was subpar. You know, they got like Anders Bjork and you know, but guys like that don't move a ton at the deadline. And and you you should be able to get something for him. And this brings us to the Vegas odds real quickly here. Colorado one and two to make the. To, this is to win the Central Division. To win the Central Division, Minnesota thirteen and to two, which is about six what six and a half to one. Dallas eight to one. Winnipeg and St. Louis both fourteen to one. I might put a few bones or shekels down on Winnipeg at fourteen to one. Chicago at twenty to one. Nashville thirty three to one. Arizona one fifty to one. So you can see Arizona is just a distant memory already. Um, but. The, the point is, the reason we bring that up is, A, that it's interesting information and relevant, but that Vegas right now says that Nashville's on the outside looking in. I, I'm with you on the whole strategy here. See if you can get a reasonable deal done. I, I still want to know what the out looks like for Duchesne and Johansson. It may just be two years from now. We, we may not know, but that's a big part of the consideration. What What kind of gymnastics can David Poyle do to get out from underneath one of those two deals? I don't know. Um, unless you're just trading Duchesne for, for nothing <laughs> to, to a team that wants to take on cap cap space for you because that's what they're doing right now. First round pick or something. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I am not opt. I'm optimistic. How about this? I'm optimistic about Matias Ekholm getting a deal done and become, and staying in Nashville. I am not in some way, shape or form all that optimistic about how Forsberg's future is here in Well, Nashville. when you think about like think about what some other rebuilding teams have done this offseason and think about like what it would look like if the Predators did the same thing. So, Arizona, they took on some really crap contracts and got you know they have two first round picks and five second round picks in the draft so next much. year. And it's supposed to be a very good draft according to people like Scott Wheeler and Roy yeah, Bryman. Top, especially top of the first right, round. Right, it's supposed to be very good. So they have seven picks in the first two rounds because they took on Andrew Ladd and they took on Shane Gostaspair and a bunch of players from Vancouver. But the Predators don't have any interest in like being uh, dumping ground for bad contracts. No, they get they, they already have them. They already have. They them. get to take on their own bad contracts. Right. This is the fun part of so it. So to me, a Coyote style <laughs> rebuild would absolutely entail trading both. Ekholm and Forsberg. Yeah, probably. But I don't think that's going to happen. Look at Chicago. Chicago is, you know, is, you know, seems to be accelerating their rebuild. You know, they traded for Seth Jones. They they traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, they yeah. traded for Tyler Johnson. But they spent 3 years well, 3 out of 4 years out of the playoffs. Right. right? They spent 3 out of 4 years out of the playoffs if you include the return to play and you know, but those lean years produced Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinkit, and they still have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, of, it, of which Philip Forsberg is not on their level. Right. So. so, like, you could like the core group of the of the Blackhawks 
is better than the core group of the predators. Yes. So like you can so if you're them, you can make those trades and still feel good. Like I don't think the predators, I mean to, like you can look at the Devils too. Like the Devils, you know, they they signed Dougie Hamilton, they signed Tomas Tatar, they traded for Ryan Graves. You you hope that they like but they also have Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Right. And you're like grow and and they're hoping that by you know that that team might not be good right away. But they're sort of growing into it, so that when yeah. when he, when that team is ready to, to compete, they have Hamilton and Tatar, et cetera. Does does what Ellie Tolvin and Philip Tomasino, Rem Pitlick, some of these young upper tier, Cody Glass, even maybe do, do how they play, and what you see from them in the first half, even if you're out of the playoffs, does that help you? Is that a part of this decision process as yeah, well? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, if they are if they're committed to to giving these young players a chance and they, and they, and they don't perform, then, you know, I think you have to be, take a more serious, uh, a more serious approach to rebuilding. Hmm. I mean, is Philip Forsberg going to be a predator beyond this season? I, I I think he is, but I'm not sure you're going to like the contract. I like that. Oh man. That's, that's what I so mean. So three forwards over eight million dollars on the team. Like, what is your from a cap hit perspective? Mm. What is your cutoff? If you if you're in charge of negotiations, what's your cutoff? I don't mind paying Philip Forsberg nine million dollars if I, do. I don't have Matt Duchesne's contract. I'm not paying Forsberg nine million dollars even if I have Matt Duchesne's contract. Well, He's not worth nine million dollars. I'm not denying that. I just if you are trying to do the quick rebuild, right? Which we've talked about. There are it's a it's a risky proposition. It's like Chicago, like what look at what Chicago is doing. That's the quick rebuild. If you're going three years out of the playoffs, then I trade Philip Forsberg. Yeah. If you're telling me that there there's a one year dip here and that they can all these young guys, you've got the goaltender, you've got the defense because you've got Ekholm and John Hines is the answer and all this stuff, right? It all works out, and you're back fighting for a playoff spot for the next three seasons after that. Then I think Forsberg, it, it, you're better off with Forsberg as a part of that because then he gives you a chance to take over a game and, and carry you through a round of the playoffs or whatever. I, I don't. There's nobody else on the team that can do that right now. So with with Johansson, you know, I could see it working in the postseason, but it's all about the Duchesne deal. I, I don't think you can carry eight million, eight million, nine million, or even eight million, eight million, eight million. I don't think you can carry all three of them. So if you told me there was an out, I, this is what I don't know because I'm not in an NHL front office. If you told me there was an out of the Duchesne deal somehow, then I'm I'm far more okay with signing Forsberg at at a, maybe an a, a, an increased price point that maybe you don't like. That's it. That's that's the. Otherwise, I trade him at the deadline, and I get as much as I can for him. And now and now we admit to our fans fully that we are in rebuild mode. We don't make the playoffs this year, and we try to grow and develop young players for next season. There are 29 forwards in the nhl currently with a cap hit of at least eight million dollars and i'm trying to see how many like if there if there are teams that have multiple like how many teams have multiple of them have three (laughs) let's see so the the maple leafs have the maple leafs have three i was gonna say they have matthews marner and Tavares. the blackhawks have kane and taves of course, the Predators have Johansson and, and Duchesne. Um, the Penguins have Malkin and Crosby. Um, a, lot of, a lot of cups. The Capitals there. have Ovechkin and Backstrom. 
Um, so so one cup there, two cups for how many Crosby have? Two, three, 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 and then three for Taves and Kane. Yes, the Maple Leafs of course have none. <laughs> yes, the Maple Leafs have none. It's Ovech- amazing. Ovechkin's to got me. one. They, they all kind of have cups though. You know? Right, like they're like these are. Let me like okay. I'm gonna read it through it very quickly. These are the forwards who have eight million dollar cap hits at least next season. And tell me if you think Philip Forsberg fits into this group for the most part. And this is an order of from highest to lowest. McDavid, Panarin, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Taves, Kane, Patrick Kane, Jack Eichel, Kopitar, Sagan, Ovechkin, Stone, Kucherov, Ben, Malkin, Rantanen, Backstrom, Skinner, Crosby, Dreisaitl, Stamkos, Aho, Giroux, Wheeler, Voracek, Duchesne, Couture, and Johansson. Certainly fits in with those last few names. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I would say that when Forsberg was on the way up, and especially during the cup run and then the year or two after, I think the belief amongst Prez fans was that we finally found the guy who could be that guy on that list. And it has not developed all the way to that point. So is he worth it? Probably not. Is he worth it to the Preds? Maybe. But again, I don't know how you mathematically make it work with three of them. Uh, if they're gonna, un- if two of them are underperforming and Forsberg's not 100% all the way up to that, that, that level of the guys you're talking about, the, you know, the names you just rattled off, I think he's got some of the same talent as some of those guys, but he hasn't produced at the same level as some of those guys. No. I so, mean, I know that you know in, in Toronto, there's always a lot of talks. Like, how, well, can you pay this, the, you know three forwards more than $10 million or whatever it is that those three make? They score well, 100 it's, points, it's, sure. Yeah. It's Austin Matthews, <laughs> Mitch Marner, and right. John Tavares. Like, right. yeah, you can pay those guys that much I mean, money. maybe don't give up a 3-1 playoff lead to your arch rival, but whatever. I mean, that happens on occasion with them, but anyway. <laughs> right. Anyway, it sounds like we're not very bullish on uh, a long-term commitment from Ford. Although, I guess you just said that you think he's going to be on the team, so. Man, fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get my head around trading him at the deadline. I think if he's I'm not under, I, I don't think that. I think if he's not under contract by the time the regular season starts, I think you say, you know what, we're gonna we'll talk after the season. We'll talk later. Okay. I think that's fair. Um all right. Real quickly we'll wrap this up. Again, the, the odds there. Any problem with the odds? I think that's no. uh, you know, Chicago we, being twenty we, to one, Nashville yeah. thirty three to one. That's uh, that seems a little I still I think I still think Nashville and Chicago are still on par with each other. Um St. Louis and Winnipeg at 14 to one. Those are good. If you're actually going to find some value on the board, I might throw a couple dollars on one of those two guys. Um, Dallas at eight to one. I was a little surprised that Dallas was ahead of uh, Winnipeg and St. Louis. Um, quickly, uh, the NHL announced basically, or they didn't announce it or it got, it was the, the story was reported that um, there's a three by three and a half inch patch that will go on the sweater. Not uh, this season, but next season. Next season. 22-23. So that, that that little B that you had on your helmets, which, again, you cannot see when you're watching the game 99% of the time right. on television or in the building, frankly. You cannot see the B. The only time you see it is when they, they take close-ups on the Jumbotron or on TV. I, I, I imagine the same will be on the, on the sweater as well. You won't be able to tell. It won't affect your viewing experience much. But it does make it more corporate. And I, the one thing that... I noticed last year about watching games was just how much more space on the ice we're selling. And that actually bothers me more than the, the sweater patch. Cause I can't see the sweater patch or the helmet decal, but, but there's just too many sections of the ice that have been sponsored. That's my one thing. It's like, don't give me the digital graphics. So when the guy skates over it, there's like a little digital reverb there and you can't see it like that. That's that part bothers me. That's what I love about the Stanley cup logos on the ice. 
They're painted under the ice. Like, put them on there. <laughs> like they, Those weren't on there this year, were there? Were they? I, because they put digital ads yeah. there. And that's the part that bothers Like, if you're going to sell out, I get it. You're trying to find new revenue streams. Put it on the jersey. It's fine. It's subtle. You can't really see it. It doesn't impact my viewing experience. Like, but we I, talked about this, I think... You know, we've, we've talked about this before. Like, as someone who, like, you know, who grew up collecting jerseys and liking jerseys, you know, if I'm a Predators fan and Bridgestone has the B on, on your, their jersey starting next season or two seasons, whatever you want to call it, like... I wouldn't want it. I I'm would... putting it on there. Oh, see, I wouldn't want it. I'd take it off. Like, if I'm a Celtics fan, we talked about this too. If I'm a Celtics fan and I, like, and I have to have a jersey, I'm getting one with the GE patch on You're it. You're so strange. Because it's what's what they wear. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know, do, are they sold in the NBA? Like, if you want to buy a jersey, replica or authentic, can that's you, a... can you, do you have to get the, the GE patch well, on there? Well, I don't there? think, well, that's a good question. Like, I don't think, like, if you were to buy. Can you have a, the option? I think if you were to buy a jersey from, like, Nike.com, like, I don't think they come with the patch. The That's a logos. good question, though. Like, like if you're you go, forcing me to to buy a like jersey if you go to the, the if you go to it. the if you go because we're we'll stay on the Celtics. If you're going to the Celtics team store at their arena, like would would, would they have like is there some sort of like. If you're buying the top tier one, that's like the authentic one, right? right? With like the stitched in name and the stitched in logos, yes. and the and it's like the, the the true netting and everything is exactly authentic. Then it, I would assume it comes with the patch. I'm also curious, like if can they sell can they sell that? Like can Nike sell? You know, is there some sort of like thing that GE says like you can't sell our jersey with our patch on it? I don't know. Why would they want that? They want their logo right. out. There. I don't know. I mean, I'm You're looking, looking at it right now. Hang on, I'm pulling up Boston Celtics jersey. Uh, just because I keep using the Celtics because that's just the yeah, one that yeah. comes to mind the, the most. The, the, so if you go into the store right now on their website on the team shop for the official NBA team shop, it does not look that like they come with. There's Jason Tatum jerseys. There's your name here jerseys. There's Larry Berger. Now the Bird jersey. I don't know why you'd want that Garnett, but like Tatum, Jason Tatum's on the team, so. If there's no patch on the Jason Tatum jersey, I'm assuming there's no patch that's sold to you. Now, again, I don't know. You're the weird one here. I don't. I would not want corporate sponsorship on my personal jersey. I would, why would you want that? I just always, when I was younger, and you know, I, I didn't have any authentic jerseys when I was younger, just because either. they were more expensive. Like, you know, I don't know. I honestly do not know how much hockey jerseys cost anymore. But like when I was a, when I was younger, like a replica with no name on the back was like a hundred twenty, hundred thirty. But like an authentic was like closer closer to three hundred. I, I want to say yeah, I want to say you can get a a, a replica for like a hundred bucks, hundred and twenty bucks, and I think a authentic is like three hundred. Right. So I I wasn't able to afford a three hundred. I never had I never had any authentics either. Now I did buy an authentic. PK Subban jersey for a friend of mine for his son's uh, bar mitzvah. Ooh. And uh, might have been autographed as well. Ah. Pretty good gift, I like to think. That is a very good gift. For, for a, a 13-year-old. Now, if you're that kid, do you wear it or do you frame it? I hope it's... I think it's been framed and put up on as well. Okay. As every authentic autographed jersey should be. Uh, as you sit underneath a, an autographed Brett Favre jersey. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's framed in under. Glass. I remember when I would go to AHL when I would go to AHL games as a kid. You know, I would go to Admirals Norfolk Admirals games, and you know when the players who weren't playing, whether they were scratched or injured or what have you, usually during one of the intermissions, there would be a table set up on the concourse where you could get autographs. 
So like I would have, I had like an Admiral's jersey of War Games that had tons of autographs on it, but it's you know an AHL jersey, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, you're looking at Predators jerseys right now. Well, this is strange though, because the one without anything on the back, which I think is probably the way to go, is like 129. But that's that seems silly. 169 for a Yossi. Again, I'm assuming these are not. Um, that, and I think it reverse... costs more to like if like if you were to buy a Roman Yossi jersey, like like you like you can buy a Roman Yossi jersey versus like buying a blank one and adding his name to the back. I think that's more expensive. Uh, here we go. Replica only. Uh, we should have done this research before. Oh, well. Uh, replicas, you can get them for 89, 84, oh, 109. Cheaper. The youth ones are 69. Nice. Um, <laughs> I do love the, like the only one I would buy is the winter classic Jersey, to be honest with you. I don't know why, but I like that one the most. Um, it's a nice Jersey. Uh, let's see. Authentic. If you go with authentic, you're in the 230 range starting. Yeah, 224. Uh, it probably can go up from there. So, it, it, again, I don't. I never had authentic. I would not want a corporate patch on my jersey that I bought for myself, though. Why would I want to walk around like a billboard? I don't understand that. Well, you know how sometimes... All right, that's enough of this. Hold on, one more thing. But you know how sometimes when uh, a play, you, you, know, you buy a jersey and maybe the player gets traded shortly thereafter and it's like if you have like if you're you can trade it in you can trade it in or they'll or they'll change the name on it or something like that or no no you know what this is when it happens like if you buy a jersey like if you buy a derrick derrick henry wears 22 right yep um is two taken julio jones okay so let's say let's just say derrick henry let's say julio jones doesn't get traded here and julio jones and, and derrick henry changes from 22 to two like the Titans, like store Victor will, Arvidsson, right? The Titans store will be like, you can come in and we'll change it yeah. for you. You know. I wonder if, if the Preds did that for Arvidsson. If you wanted a patch, they should just give you one. I, I guess I, I would assume you can go buy a Stanley Cup patch. What's What's really weird is I want to. I have a Stanley Cup patch and I want to put it on a Reebok jersey, which the I think had, Reebok. Jersey, it was so. it was Reebok for the for the cup, right? Yes. Yeah, it was Adidas the next year. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I feel don't clean, put uh, a Stanley Cup final patch on an Adidas, Adidas jersey. jersey right. <laughs> that is a big time jersey yeah. foul. Do okay. not do it. Jersey fouls on the program. All right, that that either way, it doesn't bother me. Uh, just maybe clean up the ice a little bit. That's the that's the only thing that bothers me. It's just the amount of digital space that we're selling, and 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 literal space we're selling on the ice. The boards are already just a giant advertisement. So I don't. I just what don't, we need to do is we, we need, need less the, of that. We need the NHL to adopt the custom courts that nba teams have <laughs> with like the like the skyline like in the background so you just like anytime they're coming down the near boards you can't tell because they're on the bat building exactly the batman building anytime yes. they're going up the far boards they're on the just skyline make the, so just make the it. ice look like a big guitar i don't oh, know god i think they've i think they've put enough uh piano strings and guitar keys into uh or i guess it would be the other way around uh, guitar strings and piano keys into, are, the, into the jersey. There into are the, strings on the piano. Into the jersey. I guess that's true. All right, Adam, anything else? Pay for good journalism. Go to The Athletic. Add Adam Bingen on Twitter. Anything else? Nope. Gold Standards brought to you by? Jaspers. Free parking, great food, great happy hour, great no place PDA. to watch games. But no very limited levels of PDA. I haven't seen any PDA at Jaspers. Well, there's not been a lot of PDA for like a year and a half in this country, which is okay. I know. Well, if you're a couple. One of those things we're, we're adjusting to is like we don't always have to shake hands for the rest of our lives. You know, like I know it's cordial. I know it's respectful and responsible. But some of the behaviors we could learn from this pandemic are just maybe not to cough on each other. 
you know, shake hands. No PD, less less PDA in public. I guess that's the redund- problem. Redundant. Is that people who weren't good at shaking hands have become worse at shaking hands. <laughs> right. our, our social skills have plummeted. Limp dead fish or whatever you call it. Like oh, when someone I hate just that. gives you the, oh, I hate the, the, that. the limp wrist. I no. hate that. I hope my doctor doesn't listen to this, but he's a wonderful doctor. It's the only problem. Very weak handshake. Uh, all right. I want you to go burst to Jasper's the arteries while you squeeze my hand. Go to go to. I'm with you, man. Go to Jasper's. For Adam Vingan, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Please share the show. Oh, this has been the gold standard. Keep the your four- tongues to yourself. <laughs> this has been the gold standard of the 440 Sports Network.